Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. winter and I'm excited for winter. We're all under snow. Winter times are happening. This was kind of going to be like a Christmas themed episode, I think, but then I don't know that any of these movies actually involve Christmas directly. Does Black, does Black Christmas? Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. It says Christmas. Right. Right. Okay. So there is at least one Christmas movie in here. However, there are movies that are just about snow and coldness, which is also something that I love. My name is Sarah Sentry. This is the podcast Bitches on Comics, which I'm guessing you already knew, but just in case you didn't. And I am here to introduce one of many people who are on this call today. So I'm Sarah Sentry. Keep that in mind. But we're moving on to our next person, who is Monica. Monica, please introduce yourself. Well, first of all, I'm a co-host. Yep. You just said you didn't introduce me as a co-host. I didn't say you're a co-host. No, you I said, oh yeah, I was like, there's it's me, the host, and then there's some other people. That's what you said. Call. That's exactly what you said. <laughs> anyway, excuse me. My name is Monica Strayanegra, co-host <laughs> of Bitches on Comics. Um, happy to be here. Hate winter. Fuck this shit. I hate snow. I live in Minnesota, so like <laughs> you already know. Um, though Sarah, I think you probably get it far worse. Oh, no, no, it's fine. It's balmy, actually, in fact, up here in literal Canada. Ugh, disgusting. Close to Canada. Cancel snow. That's the platform that I'm running on. (laughs) Honestly, I think a lot of people are running on that platform right now, whether they choose to or not, really. Oh, yeah. Oh, shit. Sorry, climate change, (laughs) LOL. Um, So, but not LOL, you know? Yeah. Because we're fucked. Anyway, happy to be here. (laughs) And also here is the wonderful... Priya, Priya, you want to say hello to everybody? Hi, I'm here. Um, I like <laughs> movies, and we're going to talk about some, and so I'm excited for that. Oh, um, and Kate is here also. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. I'm uh, usually editing these conversations, and now I'm in one, and it's like weird, man. It's jarring. <laughs> I'm excited about these movies, too. Great choices. Back to you, Sarah. <laughs> there will be moments where I'm like, Kate has to listen to everything <laughs> I say. Like, half of the words that I speak aloud in this lifetime are on Bitches on Comics calls, and Kate has to listen to all of it. So here's to you, Kate. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm glad all you think that. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fun. I love you, Sarah. I really do. (laughs) Every person who's been like dive bombed with a Sarah Century monologue at like six o'clock in the morning. She's fucking just five. Oh my God. Just being in a room with me. Oh my God. I'm like, oh, we're in the same building. Hello, it's six o'clock in the morning. I have some thoughts on everything. (laughs) (laughs) I just have some thoughts, you know, like Subi. That I have thoughts. (laughs) 
people are like, maybe, maybe we should get some coffee. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I should be awake before I try to talk to you about everything that's ever happened in human history. Oh my God. Maybe I should get some coffee and weed so I can be on your level. I know. I wake up and just smoke weed sometimes. <laughs> you know, you're living the life. You're living the fucking life. And the, actually, the now that I'm like gainfully life, yeah. unemployed, I guess I can do that again. Yeah, I'm obsessed with it. <laughs> I hope I stay unemployed for life, but I have... <laughs> <laughs> in a in the fun way, in the fun way, fun employment. Where you're unemployed, am I right? but you're you're fun. <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, I did smoke weed this morning too, so I guess we're we're on my level already. <laughs> even if congratulations, even if it's yeah, well, congratulations to us all. I think so. We're here to talk about four movies. <laughs> And they're all really neat. We each chose a movie. I don't know. Longtime listeners will be aware of our format where we each choose a movie and then we talk about them because we all watched all of them. <laughs> yes, that's the premise. Anyway, but one of, but you know what? It's okay because um, I actually haven't seen Black Christmas in a long time. That's going to be one of the first movies that we talk about. Black Christmas. And then the second movie is going to be Deathbed, the bed that eats. And the next one is The Company of Wolves. And then the last one is going to be My Animal. This is spanning decades of time. It's actually just like a bunch of movies clustered over about a 10-year period and then in a 2023 movie. <laughs> so this will be fun. It'll be interesting. It's a lot of different kinds of movies, but they're all horror movies and they're all kind of wintery vibe, in my humble opinion. So you know? And we do these like almost every single year, you know, like we've been doing these for a while. I think last year we did a Patreon episode that was like Star Trek Christmas, even though there's no Christmas. In they're Star all Trek. also like very um, like female focused movies, which is also what it was last year. And I like that, like that's mm-hmm. not even something that like you mentioned, because that just is kind of how the conversation just tends to go usually. Right. Yeah. I'm like, I, I don't know if any of us I don't know if there's any not female folk. Oh, Troll Hunter, right? <laughs> I don't know. I was going to pick Expendables 4. So, <laughs> Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> One bro, two bro, three bro, four bro. And I think so. Yeah, we're going to start with Black Christmas. Um, Monica, this is the movie that you chose for us to see. And I saw this movie, obviously, a long time ago. This is considered one of the very first slashers, right? So it's from 1974. All-star cast. We've got Margot Kidder in here as Barb. And I got to say, Barb Barb. was a babe. I had (laughs) such a crush on Barb. Like, Jesus I have problems with Margot Kidder in general. You're just like, could you just, like, not be here right now? Like, I can't even be here. Like, you watch, like, Superman and she's just so, so hot as Lois Lane that you're just like, well, that's the end for me. <laughs> like, I Can guess you, I'm like, simply not exist, Did you guys Margo? see this movie when you were young? Because this was the first time I saw this movie. I watched it as like a teenager. So how how long ago did you watch it, Monica? I was like a teenager. I wouldn't say I was like 13, 14. I rented it from the library. Like I had no idea. Ah. I just thought that the... <laughs> Like, the cover looked cool because I hate Christmas, yeah. so. Oh, and the posters are good for Black Christmas. To be clear, if everybody, like, goes and looks on Google for Black Christmas posters, good stuff. Truly. <laughs> like, fun, old-school exploitation. 
And yeah, as, as I said, like totally one of the first slashers. And I know I saw follow-ups and I'm sure it was probably the same for you before you saw this movie. Like I saw Halloween well, before yeah. I saw Black Christmas. Well, there's actually a thing that says that, you know, uh, a lot of people say that Black Christmas was the thing that influenced John Carpenter to make Halloween. Mm-hmm. That it was like in the I same heard that. vein. Um, which is, I, I, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Similar sort of home invasion feel. Yeah. Um, and also just like the death of innocence, right? Like mm. um, this particular film, like I said, takes place in 1974. Um, there's a lot of shit happening clearly with like, you know, uh, politics, etc. But then also there's just like the sudden push for women's rights and what that actually looks like and what women's liberation looks like. And Black Christmas is essentially a about that. Uh, but fun mm-hmm. fact, this movie was directed by Bob Clark, um, who unfortunately was killed uh, with his younger son in a car crash. A drunk driver ran into them. Oh. Um, mm-hmm. But Bob Clark, he also directed A Christmas Story, which is mm. like, I don't know right. what was his thing with like Christmas. <laughs> Black A Christmas Story. And A Christmas Story is like classic. Like I feel like that's probably one of the only Christmas movies that like I'll actually like sit and watch because there's lots of moments. But in <laughs> this movie particularly, uh, we follow Olivia Hussey, who is our main character, um, Jess Bradford. Um, she is dating this ridiculously corny ass guy. <laughs> oh um, and she decides that she wants to actually break up with him because she actually has a very bright future ahead of her, right? Um, she's living in this sorority house with just like a bunch of really hot people for some odd reason. And it's Christmas and everybody's getting ready to go home to be with their families and whatnot. So it's winter break at the university. Um, she wants to break up with her boyfriend, but she also finds out that she's pregnant. The worst. Like, oh, my God. Absolute worst. Um, so she does not want to have the baby, um, which also thrusts us into this whole, you know, is she breaking up with her boyfriend and getting rid of the baby because she just wants to really destroy him? Or is she more focused on, you know, her own autonomy and like choosing the life that she wants to live? I personally go with the latter. Um, But the fact that she does this also gives the viewer a, a guess as to who begins these diabolical killings. So what makes this movie so fascinating is that you are actually in the POV of the killer. This was something that had never been done before, which also happens in Halloween with like Mike Myers. Um, So you're actually not seeing the physical person who is committing the murders against the girls in the sorority. We're only seeing the aftermath um, and the identity of the killer is completely hidden. Um, And spoiler alert, it actually is never really resolved. Nobody knows who did it. You never Um, find out. What's so scary to me is like, like when they show um, the killer, but it's like we're seeing it from his point of view. It was like, mm-hmm. oh, no, like, I don't want to be doing this. It's like, don't make me kill them. But it's like, like by watching the movie, I kind of already am. So mm-hmm. it makes you think. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I also just thought about the parallel between like, you know, this happening on Christmas. And we know like the whole story of like Mary who got pregnant by Sky Daddy, has Jesus, whatever. (laughs) But then they're like, oh my God, what if Mary actually decided to break up with Joseph and Sky Daddy and also effectively kill hypothetical Jesus by abortion? 
Or am I the only one that thought about that? That's what I was thinking. (laughs) So I was like, oh, so that's why it's called Black Christmas, huh? Because like, we're just thinking about like traditional femininity and like what that actually means. But like, since Jess is like dead set on her career, uh, she has like an excellent like uh, career path that she's about to embark on. It's just she has this corny ass boyfriend who like wants to be a musician or some shit. Like he plays awful guitar. Trigger warning. He has like a mullet and it's awful. Really bad. Uh, she tries to break up with them. And he just wouldn't take no for an answer, essentially, especially when she told him that she was pregnant. Like he was just like, oh, no, you have to have this baby like you have to do this. So then like as the viewer, you're essentially thinking that like, you know, he probably is the killer. I mean, like totally a norm, like most uh, women in domestic abuse cases know the perpetrator. And uh, unfortunately, uh, the most dangerous time for a woman um, statistically is when she's pregnant. That is more so when women are murdered is when that happens. It's a very sad statistic, but that's just the facts. Um, But the movie does like this whole thing where, you know, like he uh, is seen like, you know, running around, like, the cops, like, talk to him, whatever. But we don't really know, like, who actually is, like, killing everybody. And it's not only just the sorority girls that are being killed. Um, I really like the house mother, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, who was Barbara, (laughs) who was played by Marion Waldman. And Marion, like, she knew what was up. She had flasks, like, everywhere in the house. Of sherry. (laughs) Straight sherry. Yeah. Have you ever drank it? That's the most disgusting (laughs) liquor. I've never had sherry before. And I was a bartender. Because it's for cooking. It's like you're supposed to put it in food. It doesn't work if you just drink sherry. Isn't it wine? It's wine, right? Yeah, because it's such like a pepper teeth thing that tastes like, yeah, red wine vinegar, but sweet. (laughs) It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But it's always in kitchens, right? So that's why mm-hmm. I think that that's like the association between <laughs> women, you know, drinking in this time period and it being like, oh, it's a bottle of sherry because it's like, oh, I just need this for cooking. <laughs> right, right. Um, she was great. She was my favorite. And I was really sad because um, she also just wanted to, you know, get her cat and, you know, leave. But anyway, <laughs> so... The cat looks so fluffy. I wanted to see more of it. (laughs) (laughs) This very notably, um, the final girl is said to kind of come from this film, but also this final girl does not have a very optimistic outlook. Like by the end of the film, you're like, oh, I don't think that this is a triumph. Like this actually seems like uh, everybody is still going to die because they kind of assume that they have the killer. As you mentioned, we don't know who the killer is. This movie so ends we know terrible. that they yeah, have I think someone. The implication yeah. is that she also is going to die. At least that's how yeah. I read it. So it's like she's considered to be the final girl because she survives, but it's an interesting one because it's like pretty much five minutes after those credits roll, I'm pretty sure that she's gone. <laughs> or but, maybe not, I mean, but that's like a, se- a sequel. <laughs> yeah, I I pretty much saw the ending as being like, because, you know, they uh, they pan in on like the girl who they never found. who was up in the attic. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about? In the rocking chair or whatever. I yeah. ultimately think that, or this is just the way that I interpret it, uh, there's no way to potentially catch the killer because patriarchy ensures that like this violence will still be perpetrated against women just trying to live their lives yeah so there really is no Mm -hmm. safe place to be a woman 
no matter what, like in your autonomous like self, like there is no safe place for you. So even though, you know, like the cops may come and like try to help you or whatever else, like one, they probably won't believe you. And that was one thing that really just like pissed me off because the cops just were like so laissez-faire, which is like the most common thing, especially when it comes to uh, sexual assault, sexual assault victims. Um, just not taking uh, women seriously when, you know, they legitimately need help or protection from, like, abusers. Um, so I think that that was why the the ending had to be that way, because it's true. Like, nothing is going to be resolved. Like, no matter how many uh, protections are given by law, because, like, the law only applies to certain people, apparently. Um, and when you're living in a patriarchal system, like, women will ultimately always be subject to violence, a patriarchal and misogynistic society. I'm really glad that you, um, like, broke that down because I was, like, I was also thinking, like, it felt like a very, like, feminist bent. But then I feel like so often I, like, I'm watching a movie and I'm, like, this is about the patriarchy. And then everyone else is, like, no, it's not. But um, I'm glad that (laughs) that was also your read. Yeah. And I think it's just very timely because one, you know, Roe v. Wade fell last year. We're still seeing the ramifications of that. Um, maternal uh, maternal uh, deaths are are at an all time high. Uh, OBGYNs are leaving like poor like uh, red states like in on mass um, because they are not able to perform their work. Like they're not able to give the care to their patients that they studied in school for like 12 fucking years. But then you have like fucking Joe Bob who like went to high school and somehow ended up being a politician saying like, no, actually you're wrong. Mm -hmm. This is murdering a baby. Like I would be so fucking pissed. Like, oh my God, Mm -hmm. seeing red anyway. But you know, like we're living this right now, you know, like we're talking about like the seventies where like she wants to have an abortion is such a taboo like subject or whatever. But even now today, in the year of our Lord, 2023, people are still very much like on the fence about like whether a woman should should decide what to do with her fucking body. That Mm -hmm. is absolutely insane to me. Like I still like just get very, very, very angry just thinking about it. Like sometimes I just wake up in the morning and I'm drinking coffee and then I just like think about it and I'm just like, I want to beat somebody up today. (laughs) Yep. I don't. But like, that's just how I feel. But anyway, I digress. Um, so yeah, so that's that's pretty much why I picked this movie because one is winter, cold, harsh, truth. That's where we're at. And as we're going into 2024, I just really want people to think about where everything is going and if we're going to be prepared to protect ourselves from these uh, these acts of violence that are often perpetrated against people like us. Um, yeah. Um, It was so interesting how this um, movie kind of used the like setting of Christmas because I feel like Christmas, like people say it's like a time for like family and like um, appreciating family. And like, I feel like so much of the like, like traditional family structure and like the, um, the glorification of that, like that, I feel like that often comes with like the dark side of like um, being very oppressive to women and honestly like everybody, but like, like especially like women. Um, And so I feel like this movie was kind of um, uh, trying to look at that too and kind of saying like, just like give that another look and see like kind of the ugliness that um, 
also exists when you say that like um like a woman and a man getting married like that is the the ideal Oof, yeah both of you make really good points i don't think i thought about like um i definitely didn't think about like the jesus stuff that was, <laughs> yeah that was a new thought for me uh, but yeah, like the violence towards women thing. I mean, this is a sorority house. There's a moment when they're like, all the men out. And it's like, no, there's a man in the attic. Like, it's... <laughs> oh my gosh. It's so creepy. <laughs> it's a really creepy movie, honestly. The eye at the, near the end yeah. of him looking out and like yeah. the fact that there's no resolution. All of the like Agnes, Billy, like <laughs> baby, like prank call mm-hmm. shit is super creepy. And none of that ever gets explained. Because um, it could be any man. It could it be any be. man. I love that mm-hmm. it doesn't get explained because it's like, like in this era of like 20 sequels for each movie, it's like that, like you would have like a sequel trying to like piece together what that means. But it's like, it's so much scarier because we don't know what it means. Yeah. Yeah. True. It's like um, very, very disturbing. Um and yeah, like the the violence of men everywhere, like the incompetence of the cops, the creepy dipshit asshole boyfriend controlling guy, and um and like sex man is the only one that's like sorry I call John Saxon the sex man. Yeah, he, uh, he's like the only semi competent person. I'm sorry, who is sex move- man? Guy, he's like the main detective oh, guy. Yeah. yeah, John Saxon. Sorry. Um, sex the sex man. man. Sorry. <laughs> It sounds like a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> and he's still, like, he doesn't solve it at the end. You know, he thinks it's all wrapped up. And he's, like, basically tucking this girl in with the murderer in her house. I loved the, um like, incompetence of the cops. Because there's that, like, one guy who they're, like, making fun of. Because he, like, didn't know what fellatio means. But then, like, later mm-hmm. he, like... um he like really messes up and like he uh, doesn't get, he doesn't convince Jess to get out free, which is um, what like puts her in so much danger. And so it's like, like his incompetence, like really isn't funny. Like it's like you have this guy who like can't do things right. And he's like putting innocent people in danger. Like it, I feel like the like cop stuff really reinforced the kind of like um, misogyny uh, criticism. I was thinking about the telephone technology and like how just archaic <laughs> it seems now. But at the time, like to trace a call, like um, to me, it was almost it almost felt like, you know, sort of the the red tape and like the the shit that gets in the way of trying to protect people and trying to like actually get justice and stuff. It's like, oh, you didn't. It was your fault for not keeping him on the phone long enough. But I don't know. Um, I have a bunch of context I can add to this conversation. So this is based on the urban legend, the babysitter and the man upstairs. And that basically is a story that was based on a real life killing. So the babysitter and the man upstairs is also the basis for When a Stranger Calls, which stars Carol Kane, Mm -hmm. has also been the subject of a remake, much as Black Christmas has been. And so it's based on this 1950s killing of a teen girl who was 13 years old. Her name was Janet Chrisman. And essentially, like, everything that happens in A Stranger Calls, like, you know, it's like basically this person is terrorizing her via phone calls. She keeps calling the police. And as we know, the 
the incompetence of the police is a major problem in this case because she's telling them that she needs help and they don't come until it's much, much too late. You know, there was clearly somebody already inside with her and she was just brutally murdered. And it is similar to a case that had happened four years before of a woman named Mary Lou Jenkins. So when Mary Lou Jenkins, who is also a teen girl, was murdered, um, a developmentally disabled black man was essentially executed because uh, they just decided it was him pretty much. And uh, the, the attacks, similar attacks, where somebody's being strangled with a telephone cord and like all of this continued to happen over that time period. So essentially somebody was put to death. Um, it was, it's now considered to be an, like pretty much an outright execution because there, it was clearly very unlikely that it was actually the person who had committed the crime. And then of course, years later, Janet Chrisman is killed in almost exactly the same way. And there's like suspects and stuff like this. Somebody who she directly knew is actually considered to be one of the prime suspects in retrospect. But of course, the incompetence and the racism of police during that time prevented the solving of the case. And now it'll probably never be solved, but we just have this series of injustices so that's historical. That's the basis of the babysitter and, I'm, and the man upstairs. I'm pretty sure that all the cops involved kept their fucking jobs. Oh There's God. almost no way that they didn't because we're talking about like Missouri in the 50s, oh, right? Absolutely. So it's like, yeah. Everybody was like, you just do so much for our community right, or whatever. Right, right. You know, it's just whatever gross bullshit. But. You know, so I wanted to say that Black Christmas is based on something that is like actually strangely perhaps even more messed up than like the movie itself, which is, you know, strangely with horror. It's like actually kind of commonly the case that the reality of the situation is actually much worse, mm-hmm. um, which doesn't make you like people more. But this is just some interesting context because pretty much everything you all were saying, I consider like, oh, yeah, well, if you look at the backstory, like what is it? Misogyny? you know, racism, failings of police, like, you know, all of these things were something that very much happened in the real life case as well. So just wanted to add all of that. Um, I also wanted to add that there was a reboot of this that did very badly <laughs> and I believe was kind oh, of more explicitly we don't like talk about that. the patriarchy <laughs> is bad. Okay. We so, don't talk about it. But we like, talk about it. and that's kind of the <laughs> whole, that's the point, what right? What are you talking about? But, it didn't happen. <laughs> okay. But I want to mention that the person who actually wrote this script screenplay was has been like harassed nonstop since she wrote the screenplay. Mm. I'm not going to say it's a good movie. I haven't actually seen it. But I also just wanted to note that when we're talking about misogyny, all of this, it's something that, you know, it's go forward, go backwards, stay in the same place, and it doesn't matter. It's just there everywhere. And that's kind of what you were saying, Monica, about the whole message of Black Christmas just to begin with. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, the problem with uh, Black Christmas 2006 um, I just felt like it missed the mark on a couple of things, but I also am just a horror snob, so there's that. Um, Michelle Trackenberg's in it, Harriet the Spy, Buffy. But I think the reason why the movie performed badly is because I think after Black Christmas happened and after like the whole sorority like cliche like began in horror, um, that eventually just became one of the most misogynistic tropes. So it's like. <laughs> 
It's like this movie was trying to talk about like how misogyny is bad and it gets women killed. But then in turn, a bunch of horror directors, mostly cis men, decided that, oh, actually, sorority girls, like that's a really good horror premise. And then we can oh also show them with like their tits out and like in lingerie and like whatever they didn't else. Get it. And they didn't fucking get it naturally because stupidity. Um, so, yeah, so that that legitimately became a trope. I think the only time that I enjoyed a movie where that was kind of a thing, but not necessarily a sorority party, was Slumber Party uh, Massacre. I saw that um, one Which recently. also has, like, some feminist undertones to it as well. I was so surprised when I was watching it, and I said it was written by Rita Mae Brown. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's Black Christmas. Good talk. Don't trust the yeah. cops to take care of you. Oh, yeah, ACAB um, all day. Fictional, non-fiction, get an abortion if you real want life, one. movies, cartoons, Paw Patrol, Fuck 12, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> also, this yeah. movie had the biggest fucking alarm clock I've ever seen in my life. Um, and it, and I, I was scared of it. <laughs> <laughs> and Margot Kidder is hot. All right. So moving Indeed. on. We have now to speak of um, the next movie on our list, which is a Kate Chosen gem, um, Deathbed, The Bed That Eats, which is considered one of the worst movies ever made. (laughs) And I would say it's actually a pretty decent movie (laughs) just by virtue of it makes no sense. It's totally bonkers and holy shit. So I was glad I actually finally watched this. It's been on the agenda for such a long time, but I haven't seen it. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about why you chose this film, Kate. Um, This masterpiece, we'll call it. Yeah, let's call it a masterpiece. (laughs) Uh, The name alone is intriguing, but I hadn't watched it um, until a few weeks ago for the first time in Indianapolis. I watched it at a friend's house because they kind of based an entire song and performance off of like this movie. (laughs) I was like, okay, we got to watch this movie now. Anyway, Yeah, this movie was filmed in Detroit, and the director is also from Detroit. It was made in, like, 1970, and then it took, like, four years of post-production to get it finished. And then it didn't even have, like, a release. I don't know how, but it was picked up by a bunch of people in the UK. It was, like, this underground hit, and, like, all these VHS tapes were getting traded around or something. (laughs) And the director didn't even know that this was happening until like 2001. He found out that it was like this whole cult, (laughs) like had this whole cult following. So it ended up having like a re-release in like 2003. I think the person that ended up uh, championing it did the new like soundtrack that exists Mm -hmm. on the movie now. But yeah, it's (laughs) it was made for like $30,000, which is like, I mean, I know that there are definitely movies that are made for less, but um, pretty small budget. And yeah, that's all I really know about this movie. The whole Aubrey. <laughs> so there's a yeah, the plot of this the movie. Po- the artist. If I can describe the plot of this movie without taking too long, it'd be there's a bed. <laughs> <laughs> there's a bed that eats people, obviously. Um, people and food and pretty much anything that organic. Bucket of fried like. chicken. <laughs> yeah, chicken, apples, bottles of wine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> There's a demon that is <laughs> falls in love with a woman and seems like it doesn't work out. She dies. In he, the past. Yes. And this <laughs> is all in the past. She dies. He cries. 
his tears drip onto the bed. It makes the bed demon that eats people. And then every 10 years, you got to remember that because the demon falls asleep, but then wakes up again. Yes. And there's no explanation for why this happens. No, no explanation. I think that's just, you know, we should all understand demon lore, <laughs> demonology. And yeah, there's an Aubrey Beardsley painting drawing in the room of this bed. And I think, I don't know if the whole movie came from the bed, but there's a description from the director of the whole Aubrey Beardsley character in the movie. And this is, this okay, this is just like a good, succinct way to describe this movie. So <laughs> he's like basically trapped behind his own painting, this Beardsley character. And the director is like, Beardsley's inclusion in the film was not a literal, but rather sort of Beardsley-like way of having a dream about Beardsley. If you dreamt about Beardsley in a dream and he was riding a bicycle and selling you soft drinks, that's the Aubrey Beardsley that's in the movie. Okay, so that's about as right. much sense as this movie makes. Um, yeah. The Beardsley character is watching these people get eaten and digested and can't do anything about it. Giving a poetic voiceover the whole time, yes. though. Just like, oh, but you'll never escape the And he has like a <laughs> the British bed. accent. He sounds like Picard. <laughs> I was all alone. There's nothing you can do. No, that's more like Scottish. Anyway, he was very sad and um, maudlin, like, ghost guy living behind this painting. And, uh, yeah, there's, like, a few different sections of the movie, like breakfast, lunch, dinner, dessert, and that's just a series of people getting eaten. And uh, Going through the past and being like, here's the gangsters who got eaten. Yep. <laughs> and they're just, like, they're, like, holding their guns, like, all super, like, limply and just, like, firing at their own feet, being like, oh. Oh, yeah, they just, like, shoot it. Like, there's no kickback at all. Um, they're playing yeah. cards on the bed. And it's like, what, what are you doing hiding out here, sitting on the bed together, gangsters? <laughs> there's, like, definitely some lesbians, like, uh, that come in and, like, they have another girl with her and she's like, I don't know about these two. They're weird. Yeah. Um, and she gets eaten. And then another one gets eaten. And then this other girl, the bed is afraid of. And you find out it's because she reminds him of the woman that he used to love. Of his mom. His mom. His mom? Um, well, really? it's yeah, like if the, it's demon like the demon and the lady is- are like his parents. <laughs> <sighs> oh, my God. You're right. Okay. That's yeah. It's so ridiculous. It's very it ridiculous. Matter. So it she ends up the painting. Okay, yeah. So every 10 years, the demon goes to bed and the guy in the painting can speak to someone in the room and convinces this girl to perform the seance. It's very complicated <laughs> to basically move the bed outside and she is sacrificed. She doesn't realize it until it's too late, but she dies. She does teleport the bed. Like that's how it she moves teleports outside. teleports the bed outside. <laughs> yep. Yes, yep. she teleports the bed <laughs> outside. And then the lady is woken up by the blood and then the bed's on fire. And yeah, the, the blood drips down through the ground <laughs> into the coffin of this dead person. Who does not look dead. No, she's like perfectly And preserved. the lady like kisses the girl's brother, right? Didn't that happen? Right. Oh, and the guy's hands get the guy's melted hands. off. <laughs> That's the best part. He's this like, guy gets his he's ha- like, all the flesh on hurt. his hands. <laughs> ripped off and he's staring at his skeleton hands being like oh nuts <laughs> and then the bones of his skeleton hands start falling off one by one he's like oh darn oh oh dang there's no pain when yeah, I, that's basically this movie oh when I put on this movie to watch I was eating lunch and the, the, the movie starts with like the screen is black and you just hear like 
chomping sounds like someone's eating yeah, something yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like oh boy I think I lost my appetite now <laughs> oh. and I'm good okay so Monica you didn't have time to watch this did any of that make sense to you <laughs> no but it sounds like a hot mess and I'm here for it that's it I think like you would actually really like this movie I don't know. It's almost art house, but in the way that like the room is where it's like it just doesn't connect to anything. And you're just like, okay, the thing about art house (laughs) is that you have to make it be kind of deep. And then it's like with this, they're like, no, no, it is simply not deep. (laughs) We won't do that. Like we're good. Um, It does star. um, Let me find her name again. Uh, Damien Hall, mm-hmm. who is a actor who was affiliated with Seattle theatrical performances. She is horror of this time. Black heroines were very, very rare, and she is in it. And I will say, she gives the best performance of the film. I know that's not saying much, <laughs> but she does. She almost and escapes the bit. That part is no, the scariest I was also gonna part. Say, that's an actually harrowing scene, like, because she is, like, her part of her legs are, like, eaten by the bed, and then she crawls away from it, and it is, like, it's so slow because she's just crawling across the floor and bleeding, and it's really upsetting, but it's so drawn out because it's so low budget, and it shows her, like, really working to go up the stairs. Mm -hmm. She gets the door open, so to me, it's, like, this is, like, almost on par with, like, Helen's shivers and you know or I know what you did last summer where it's just like no no please like let her survive and it goes for like 10 minutes and mm-hmm. you're just like no like this is so harrowing and then and then right when she's about to escape the bed it like reaches out with the she, bed sheets and pulls her back in yeah like a tentacle yeah you didn't know yeah. it could do that. So she but. actually knows that she's in a horror movie. I don't know that any of the <laughs> other actors are aware that they're in a horror movie. And especially the girl after who just like kind of watches it happen and is like dressed. <laughs> and you're just oh, like, nuts. um. <laughs> yeah, I don't think she has Yeah, like the any performances lines. are very, very uneven in this film, I'll say. Mm-hmm. I love how the bed eats things because it's like, so there's like this like fluffy yellow foam that comes up. Up from the bed and like surrounds <laughs> things and then it pulls them into like the bed dimension which is just like a uh, acid so it's, it's like, like a yellow fish tank basically it's, yeah so it's like under the bed but it's also like not actually in the bed I guess and I just love that there's like a evil bed dimension that it pulls its things to to eat it yeah, because you can go under the bed. Yeah, like uh, the guy so goes it, under the bed, but like there's <laughs> nothing there because it's not there. It's in the evil bed dimension. Yes, evil bed dimension. <laughs> Digestion is basically just like they covered everything with like baking soda and the water was like yellow vinegar or something because everything like bubbles. Yeah, the movie was based on a nightmare about a bed that just swallowed things up and the whole eating part wasn't really in the nightmares. So he, he had to make that up. <laughs> and, you know, I think they did a lot with a very little bit with the yellow foam and yeah. such. It's pretty effective. And, uh, that escape scene that you all were talking about with that woman trying to get out and like crawl across the floor, that felt like when you right. are having a nightmare and you can't quite move right. and your muscles all don't work. It's like so frustrating to watch and like, it makes you want to scream. Oh my god, this movie, this movie. Um, yeah, it's famously just like considered to be bad, but it's almost more like it's just a movie that is has some of the most bizarre 
moments in it that like will always probably spring to mind. <laughs> like I'll probably be on like my deathbed <laughs> and uh, be like thinking about this movie, right? It's like you always want to think that at the end of your life, you're going to think back on like things that were important to you. And I think I'm just going to be like, do you remember that time <laughs> when you were watching Deathbed and that guy's like hands just got eaten <laughs> off and he was like, it's fine. Sarah, you'll be that lady, that older lady um, who's reading like lesbian porn in bed. Did you see that? It was like, babes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, hell yeah, lady. I want to be reading babes right now. <laughs> the bed is like, babes you. is such a good I feel name. like the, in this movie, the guy behind the painting and the bed kind of had like a homoerotic relationship going on. Like, I wasn't quite sure what bit. it was, but there was something there, I feel. <laughs> yeah, because it's a very weird choice to include this very specific Art Nouveau artist, you know, who, like, hung out with, like, Oscar Wilde and stuff and was just, like, died young pretty much of, like, uh, tuberculosis, I believe. Um, but is, like, very strongly associated with, like, the art of, like, uh, the grotesque, right? Like, horror mm -hmm. art, essentially, for, as it existed at that time period was a big thing for him. So it was just, a, just an odd choice of uh, you're going to take all of the historical figures and all of history and just be like, here's the spin on this guy. <laughs> and I was like, oh, all right. Yeah, very strange. Uh, it wasn't a Christmas movie and it wasn't a Halloween movie. And it, I don't know. <laughs> I just I saw I watched it and I was like, people need to see this. <laughs> Let's talk about that. Yeah, it's just it, there's nothing one. quite like it. I'll say that it's very unique. I liked when the the bed like ate somebody and then like it like ate the rose that was with her and it was a white rose and then afterwards in the ground there grows like a white rose but then it turns red with blood. Yes, and it's growing out of like a skull. Yeah. It's like all of the things that the bed digests like goes underground like I think you're supposed to assume but it's never really like... <laughs> well, some of it goes to the guy behind the painting because there's like one person. Yeah, the ring. Yeah, and one person was like smoking a cigarette or something. And then after the bed eats it, the guy is smoking the cigarette. Yeah, it's like, doesn't he say like the bed gave me trophies sometimes? Yes. It would, like, That's why I think there was little... something. I think they were a little bit in love. Yeah, but like a, a terrible, like captive, like, yeah, like in a, like a, of, in an evil way, but like, in an evil way. So. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Like, I don't ship it necessarily, but I don't not ship it, right? <laughs> the way that the character behind the painting would talk about the bed, like, you vile, you insipid <laughs> piece of like filth. It was, it was like, wow, I got to remember some of the, I obviously didn't remember them, but I got to remember some of these insults because they're really good. Insipid yeah. is such a good word. Insipid. Insipid. Like, even if those three ladies, like, didn't, like, get eaten by the bed, like, I feel like that, like, trip still would have sucked because those two women were so mean to the other woman and she really just mean. didn't want to be there. It was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, there's no explanation of why she was there even or anything. She's like, I'm tired. No. <laughs> you, I don't want to hang out with these lesbians. <laughs> That's all I got. She's like, yeah. It was like she invited herself on their date and they were oh, just fuck. like, God damn it. I'm just going to have a picnic. It's just like, 
it's the 70s. We're not trying to have like you here (laughs) during this time period. It's just like her just being like, oh, this is the worst. Well, I'll sleep at a different time that you all sleep. Like, she's like, we could all sleep on the bed. And she's like, no, we can't. (laughs) I don't even sleep at night. So I don't know how we're going to sleep together because I'm not even going to be asleep at night. So (laughs) this is just a very no homo Mm -hmm. moment where she's like, no, thanks. thanks. I think I'll just, I'll go, I'll get eaten before you do that. So I bet you anything, I didn't look it up, but I bet you anything that there's some rich goth couple that were like, we need this bed. We will (laughs) custom build this bed to have in our chambre. And they probably did it. I thought you were going to say that there was going to be fan fiction. Oh. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. There might be, oh, though. There. there might oh, be. Oh, it's definitely out there. I might write it. Fiction. There should be I might be the author. fan fiction, but it's from the perspective of the bed. <laughs> I was also like, this is why we air our mattresses. Like, this is why. Like, you can't just, like, keep the same mattress for 200 years. Like, you just can't. Okay, Monica, if there's a bed and people keep dying on the bed, what is your fan fiction from that? My fan fiction from that? What do you mm-hmm. mean? I didn't write who's, it. You who's wrote dating it. What, who's dating what person in the bed universe? <laughs> Gosh. Wow. Wait, were pillows involved in this at all? Yeah, there were pillows. <laughs> There, there were, were pillows, pillows, but they didn't do anything, no. right? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. You could get eaten mm-hmm. whether you were on top of the covers or under the covers. Oh, weird. Mm-hmm. So the the covers didn't provide any, like, safety, Protection? No, no barrier? No. Like, if you just touched it, like, that was it? That was all? Well, was sometimes all it would toy with people. It would wait for them to, like, get comfortable. And it, would it would eat like... their food first. And they would be like, where did our <laughs> food go? And then it would eat them. <laughs> That is, like, hardcore trolling, but I appreciate it. Um, Had some personality. Right. I feel like the bed, like, probably just, like, found, like, the one person that they actually, like, fell in love with. who was just, like, so respectful of, like, their carnivorous ways, you know? I feel like that would probably be, like, the, the... the gist of like the fan fiction, like it's like a forbidden love or something, mm, or like the little kid and uh, let the right one in that like is gonna eventually like feed her and keep her safe and stuff. <laughs> like, oh my god, leave, yes, we pray <laughs> to the bed for it to eat, right? That could Actually, have been the poet or the artist, work. but it couldn't be. Well, maybe that's what work. the artist like, did at first. And then the artist was like, actually, you suck and wanted a divorce, but it couldn't get a divorce because it just had to sit there behind the <laughs> painting. So it just became divorce. really mean. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this was a good movie. <laughs> Honestly. These movies are all very different. Yes, they are. listeners i know you love the pod i know you're about it you're like wow bitches on comics what a bunch of awesome bitches who tend to talk about comics but did you know there's a way you can support us you can join us on patreon at patreon.com queerspec and you'll get access to all of our boc related bonus material that's interviews special conversations deep dives on the things we're enjoying at the moment and access to our bonus material for all of our other projects, including Decoded Horror Channel, which if you're not listening, you need to tune into now, Decoded Horror Channel. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. 
But as part of Decoded Horror Channel, we're going to have special drink recipes available for you and the whole shebang. It's going to be a good time, and I hope you'll join us at patreon.com slash queerspec. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. So the next movie is my choice for me and everyone that is called The Company of Wolves. This movie came out when I was not even a year old, but it was like the script was finalized when I was like two months old. And I'm like, my birth helped it come to me. (laughs) It was because I was born. Now this movie can exist. So this movie is absolutely bonkers. I saw this movie so young that it's just like one of the top like, maybe five things that I remember watching as a kid. It's like Return to Oz, like this, you know, Company of Wolves is clearly like much more a horror story, but it's a horror story in the way that all of the fairy tales are horror stories. So it is a very upsetting fairy tale that doesn't have a good moral, (laughs) but that's basically what it is. It's very much a werewolf story. It's very much an 80s werewolf story. It's based on an Angela Carter short story, right? Yep. Well, Angela Carter actually worked on the screenplay with director Neil Jordan, who you might know from another movie called Interview with a Vampire. Mm. Um, But this was one of the first, like a much earlier movie that he worked on. And him and Angela Carter were apparently like great friends. They loved working together and they were like, let's work together again. But of course, in her later life, she had a lot of illnesses. Um, Angela Carter's an icon. If people haven't read her work, she's kind of an underrated icon. You know, there's not, it's not always, um, you know, it's like even somebody like Shirley Jackson can be really underrated, I think, as among like horror readers, because there's people who like for years just like won't acknowledge her writing as horror writing and stuff like that, which seems bizarre. But I'm kind of same with Angela Carter. They're like, no, it's way too like... You know, whatever. Literary. It's in like fairy tale land. It's fantasy. Yeah, literary or whatever. And it's like, this is horror stories, trust me. I mean, she wrote like a collection of short stories called The Bloody Chamber, right? Like these are horror stories, but they use fairy tales to be like, fairy tales are scary as shit. And like, here's my spin on it. This movie is very much told in vignettes. Like, so it starts with this uh, teen girl and like, she's kind of having like a nightmare. And so it goes through this kind of series of stories that's very like Red Riding Hood, but there's a lot of like interjections along the way. And, you know, 
everybody's like a kind of a weird offbeat character. She's getting very conflicting messages about sex and sexuality as like a teenager. Like I'm guessing she's probably like 14 or 15 in this movie. And uh, obviously like everybody's like, you know, her grandma is like, don't even look at men. They're the worst. And then her mom is like, I don't know. Sex is amazing. Like, her grandma is <laughs> so played she's by Angela like, Lansbury, by the way. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes, yes. And like, love her. Like, I gotta say, like, what an incredible role. She kind of looks like my grandma. So <laughs> I'm like, I always just connected really heavily with this movie. I feel like that um, should be your grandma. <laughs> It kind it's pretty similar. She was a pretty similar lady. <laughs> she's just like telling long, weird stories that don't really go anywhere. And you're like, did that happen? And she's it's the God's honest truth. <laughs> like they keep saying that through the whole thing. Just cracks me up. But you know, there's so many things to talk about in this movie. One of them is obviously that we have this kind of like repression thing happening with this girl who's like being told what kind of boys she should be interested in or if she should not be interested in boys. Like there's just kind of no like openness, I guess. And she has these like weird conversations with her mom. Like she hears her parents having sex and then she's like, so is he hurting you? And she's like, no, (laughs) like it's fine. And she's just like, but it sounds like he's hurting you. You know, they have these like weird kind of sex conversations, but it's back in the olden days. So like nobody is very clear about anything. So she's just getting a lot of like mixed messaging around sex, I think. And there's like this young, like horny dude who's just like so into her and just follows her around everywhere. Boy. Um, the amorous boy in the subtitles. subtitles. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. When the heater's kicking on or whatever, I'm like, I can't hear this anymore. So I was like, oh, amorous boy, but that is really who he is. So I guess they got it. But yeah, so there's that. There's the fact that it's set in this like just absolutely stunningly beautiful, so beautiful. you know, just like their set is like has all of these kind of. Um, like, like, uh, what would you call it? Like, magnificent animals or whatever. It's like here's all of these like out of place animals. Okay. It's kind of winter time. I'm sorry, real quick. And there's like frogs. Can I list all the animals that I saw in this movie? There's so yes. many animals. <laughs> yeah, please. Dogs, wolves, yeah, yeah. pigs, geese, turkeys, pheasants, doves, crows, owls, rats, snakes, herons, spiders, bunnies, frogs, peacocks, and like a puppet weasel. There's a lot of animals. Yeah. The bunny was funny to me because it was it was a white bunny. I was like that that guy wouldn't be wild, but he was just there. I he hope he had there. a good time. And it reminded me of your rabbit, Sarah, because you have a white rabbit. <laughs> yeah, it looked like Lilu, and like I was just like, oh, Lilu. <laughs> like, but I got to like one thing that happens is every time I watched any of these movies, I had to like go sit with my rabbits and like hug them because if I watch something scary, then I'm just I'm, we're in the same room. Mm. So I'm like, just because I was screaming doesn't mean anything bad was happening. I love you guys so much. Do your rabbits watch movies with you? They don't because they won't get on the bed with me. Like, unlike Heather, Heather, like, tried to move into my bed, like, all of the time. But these rabbits are just like, whoa, this is too weird. Like, I'm getting down. Mm-hmm. Um, so they won't watch movies with me, but they watch movies very near me. Sometimes they watch movies. <laughs> I'll be watching movies and I'll, like, look over and they're, like, on the floor just all staring at me. <laughs> and I'm just like... So you watch me, but not the movies. Okay, I got it. But yes, the rabbit was like kind of the MVP of this for sure. (laughs) I saw the rabbit and was like, I love you. And it was like for two seconds. And I was like, please don't let anything bad happen to the rabbit. Because like every single time there's a rabbit in a movie, you're just like, oh no. Like I have to like 
hide my rabbit's eyes or something and be like, don't like look at this part. The Xena episode where Xena kills a rabbit. And you're just like, okay. Do you remember that one? Yeah, I remember. It's like literally every single time there's a rabbit, you're just like, this is not going to go well for this rabbit. Mm. Um, very seldom does it go well for the rabbit. But in this case, surprisingly, <laughs> the rabbit was totally fine. And I was like, yes, even the goose that they try to use for bait makes it out. Mm-hmm. Like, felt pretty good about that. Yeah, my cat loved watching this movie. Sorry, she watched <laughs> almost this entire movie. She was riveted. Um, yeah. yeah, me too. It was a really good movie. It's kind of more, uh, what would you call it, like nature of storytelling. It's like not necessarily even just a story because it's kind of a jaunt through different fairy tales and there's a big, big dinner scene that like this woman who gets, oh yeah, we could talk about this because this is another Let's talk about Roe v. Wade and like mm-hmm. all of this. But there's a woman who is uh, apparently impregnated by this uh, wealthy aristocratic guy. She is a like poorer person and they're having this like wedding. They're going to get married and like they're ha- there's like this huge party. Well, where- he's going to get married to another woman. Yes, to be clear. Yes. So he's going to get married to like somebody else of his like class essentially. And she shows up pregnant and just glares them all down. And like while they're eating, they turn into wolves and they go like running off, right? So these like big packs of wolves just like breaking through shit and like fucking running wild is like such a visual theme of this movie and such like a metaphorical theme because so much of it is like weird sexual repression and kind of like breaking loose from that. And this is, you know, not not the healthiest way, maybe not the best way, but not the way I did, you know, not the way that you should. But it's just like a very, very wild ass movie where you're just like, oh, there's like a whole pack of wolves just like running rampant on like this countryside now. And then this like pregnant woman is like, ah, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> like, get fucked. I hate rich people. Die. <laughs> and it's just like, yay. <laughs> There's just a bunch of scenes like that. And I was watching this movie and for like um, the first, I don't know, like several minutes, I was kind of like, like, is this going to be a horror movie or is it going to be like more fantasy? And then the guy starts peeling off his face. I was like, oh, okay. That's yep. the horror part. <laughs> Yep. So also that's another like super weirdly feminist kind of commentary because it's like a woman who falls in love with this man. She gets married to him. And then like on their wedding night, he's like carried away by wolves. But then years later, he comes back like infuriated with her for marrying somebody else and, you know, moving on. Yeah. And he starts calling her very fucked up names and then is just like, to start whenever she's like horrified, he starts to turn into a wolf. He rips his face off. And it, honestly, this is a good werewolf transformation. It's a really I really good liked one. it. It's really unique. It's gnarly. Yeah. <laughs> Very body horror. Like, I think it's probably my one of my favorites that I've seen. I guess I like in Ginger Snaps how they do it too. But this one was like really spooky. Yeah. This is top three uh, transformation yeah, yeah, yeah. scenes for me. I got to say, and it aged real good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look back at this and I'm just like, this is good. This is better than in the 90s when they were trying to be like sleek about it and just like Mm -hmm. failed (laughs) miserably Um, in a lot of films where you're just like, man, those look terrible. And this like actually looks really good, even though it isn't real. It's not realistic. 
there's like a fantastical sense to it that's just all over this movie that made it just like absolutely click. Like that's just kind of the thing is, is like there's no other movie that looks like this movie. Like this is a totally weird looking movie, strange and totally fairy tale based and all of these things, much like much of Angela Carter's work. And just to be clear, like Angela Carter did absolutely absurd amounts of work, did like work as a translator, you know, did nonfiction books, <laughs> did fiction books, like screenplays, radio plays, like all over the place. And yeah, like I said, I, I think that to this day, she's incredibly underrated. This is one of the first stories that I remember in my life. Like I remember learning this story just the same time I learned Red Riding Hood, the like the Disney, whatever, you know, or like whatever version, like the cartoon versions. Mm-hmm. Um, so to me, it's like this kind of meta commentary was something that's like very intrinsic to how I view those stories or have. As such, like, I just want to say that I think that Angela Carter is like maybe one of the bigger in- influences on me because it's not even intentional almost, but it's just like, yeah, Company of Wolves is like, it's so ingrained in my mind as like, this is how stories work, kind of. Because it's like, you have your tropes and then you have your commentary around the tropes. I love this movie a lot. Um, I'm glad everybody got to finally watch it. Monica, you have to watch this movie. Uh, my rabbit's just like, I don't even know what my rabbit's just did. It was I loud, will watch but it. That is my plan. You have to watch it. And also, you. I was curious because because you haven't seen it, there's a little, it's harder to work you into the conversation, but what is your favorite fairy tale? Do you have any that you really like? I think the only fairy tale that I legitimately like actually love was actually made into a movie. And I'm talking about Ever After, which is like one of the most perfect interpretations of Cinderella I've ever seen in my Mm -hmm. life. Not only because Angelica Houston is the stepmother and she fucking kills it. Yeah. But it doesn't show Cinderella as just like this weakling, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, She's pretty much like an autonomous being. She literally does not want to marry the prince because she's like, you're a rich asshole. Like, don't talk to me. He actually has to prove himself to her in order for her to be like, all right, we can kick it, you know? Perfect movie. <laughs> it was great. I love it. If you haven't seen Ever After. No, yeah. See that it is a good movie. It's perfect. I love Angelica Houston. Oh, and Melanie Linsky's in it too, and she's also hilarious. <laughs> speaking of underrated grades, actually speaking of underrated Tauruses, because <laughs> she's a Taurus and so was Angela Carter, but I digress. <laughs> um <laughs> Any last thoughts on The Company of Wolves, my favorite movie? I loved it so Uh, much. The part where she climbs up a tree and finds a bird's nest Mm. and the eggs start to hatch and in the eggs are these little, like, dolls. What did you make of that? Because I didn't get it, but it was kind of Did they make those eggs, first of all? Because they looked very (laughs) perfect eggs and then they cracked perfectly and then there were these little baby statues inside that were crying. (laughs) It's so confused. Like, so isn't it she's being chased by this guy who very much wants to impregnate her? <laughs> and then she runs up a tree to escape him and finds a nest full of babies. Well, it's the amorous <laughs> boy, I think. Yes. She runs yeah. off the path. And like as soon as she runs off the path, there's all these animals. The music gets beautiful and like the lighting gets all beautiful. And she sees this tree and it's like, yes. This tree is fucking awesome and everything's great. It did look like a great tree to climb. Like it had all these like um, broken <laughs> off branches. I was like, oh, I would I would love to climb that. There are a lot of like Eve references to like with her eating the apple and like there is a snake in the tree and like all this other stuff. But sorry, I I got all excited about the eggs. 
It's a well, I think that that's it is is that it's like super metaphorical childbirth mm-hmm. <laughs> weirdness where it's just like you're finding this weird like kind of interpretation of like, oh, babies everywhere or whatever. And then it's just like at the same time, you're like kind of evading this boy who's just trying to like turn you into your mom basically and be like, now you're at home and taking care of this child or like whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not the path that she chooses. I don't want to say that she chose a especially good path in the end, but she, cause she, there's like the wolf who kills her grandmother and then she ends up like really empathizing with this wolf. And just to sadly give away the spoiler to people on this movie that's as old as I am, basically she, uh, runs away with the wolves. Like she becomes a wolf essentially. And, uh, I don't know. It seems better than being stuck at home <laughs> married with kids. I mean, the the best the best outcome was her grandma who just got to kick it by herself and like have a chill life. But then, but then her um, grandma got her head thrown off. Oh that was God. crazy. Okay. And then it like shattered as like it's a piece of glass, right? Fuck? That didn't make any sense. Like the grandma the whole time was just like a tulpa for like not even... I don't even understand that at all. Like, why was very, the grandma made out of very... ceramic? Because she was like a doll in her room or something? I think it was just that they just didn't want to show her head getting ripped off. <laughs> One fell asleep. I, I think maybe, but I'm not 100%. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. To me, the eggs and everything, I don't know, the whole story for me was kind of like, not like a loss of innocence, but like choosing, like she's very fearless. She's very curious and she wants to know things and she wants to like, explore the world and everything but she's not super duper interested in dudes she just wants to be wild so it's like you can like grow up and not be a child anymore without immediately being like i want to have babies you know and like the the baby was crying mm-hmm. in the egg i thought because it was like oh you're not a child anymore <laughs> i don't know i was trying to make <laughs> sure trying to make sense of that metaphor but this movie was so chock full of them yeah, I think that that's kind of the point is that the metaphors are going to go in whatever directions because it's not like you can read, you know, almost anything and just have like a definitive takeaway that's just like this is clearly what was intended and is the only message that can be taken from this story. Like, I think that this story is like, I don't know, like, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. And I love a movie like that. I like a vibes movie, like vibes over plot all day this long. This movie had vibes for days. It was so beautiful, so dreamy. The yes. sound of this movie was so good. I watched it on my TV in my room, which is just like TV speakers. And I had to watch it on my full speaker set because I was like, this is so atmospheric and beautiful sounding. Mm-hmm. <sighs> I love this movie. Whenever people are like, oh, but is the sex scene important to the plot? I'm like, you guys are watching movies for the plot? Because I'm just watching movies for the vibes. (laughs) Oh, you're having this conversation too. (laughs) We were talking about this at work. (laughs) The idea, though, of sex being important to the plot is like hilarious. Because it's just like in real life, if you're just like, this is not doing anything for my character development. (laughs) I'm out. This person's eating you know. cereal. What does this say? It's just funny stuff. I watched um, Vampiros Lesbos recently. And that one, um, the deathbed movie kind of reminded me of that. Um, but yeah, the like, <laughs> the, I don't know. It's like, what is that movie about? Like, it's just whatever. <laughs> <laughs> 
sad lesbian feelings. Like she's just oh, like, oh. I was, I was like um, thinking about uh, Jessica Drew, Spider Woman. I was like, she would be really great in Vampiros Lesbos. Like that would happen to her. <laughs> being institutionalized yeah. for being a lesbian. Hysteria being a thing. <laughs> that, <laughs> that lady, the spurned ex, I love that character. Mm. Even though she's only in it for like 45 seconds total. And she just shows up to scream. She, she so screams. <laughs> Nadine! Yeah. I'm just like, there is something comical, weirdly, about this. And also not. My only other thought about the Company of Wolves was uh, that scene with the wedding and how she breaks the mirror by looking at it. And then they do that really effective <laughs> thing where basically the rest of the scene is just the reflection of the broken mirror. So they can do all sorts of like transformation stuff that's like a little bit like less production value or whatever because right, they have all right. the like <laughs> the the paws escaping through the shoes which is really cool but yeah like yeah. the woman turning into a wolf because she's in like the reflection of the broken mirror was I loved it I loved it loved it yeah that part I also I did find that pretty spooky oh and when she's in church and the spiders fall from the yeah. ceiling onto her Bible, they're the biggest right. fucking spiders I've ever seen. She's just like casually brushing them away, like a pile <laughs> of giant spiders. Yeah. She's fearless. She was like, oh, um, and then everybody else is like, no, it's fine. And she's like, I guess it's fine. <laughs> duh, duh, duh. No big deal. <laughs> Here we are back on our way in old timey times whenever spiders just fell off the ceiling under people's Bibles. <laughs> oh my God. Um, I, I gotta say, weirdly, I think Deathbed has the most resolution of any of these movies. Um, <laughs> the Company of Wolves ends with the wolves actually coming through this girl's bedroom window, which I thought she was dreaming this whole time. So who knows what the fuck's happening at the end. But that's it. Like, they're breaking through. You can't deny the wolf inside yes. or like whatever weird metaphor yes. they're doing. But yeah, but our next film is My Animal, which just just came out. Yeah. Um, so I saw it a couple of months ago because I was like, oh, it's a lesbian werewolf movie. I should see it. So I saw it. And like, I don't know if I would say it's like good, but there was a lot of stuff that I liked in it. It's like about this like young woman like in her late teens or early 20s and she's a werewolf which was passed down from her dad who is also a werewolf. So it's like her family kind of knows how to deal with it but um, it still is like difficult for her and is very isolating for her. Like she can't really have a lot of friends or like she can't like go out when it's like around the full moon because it will be bad for everybody. So she has like trouble like socially. And it's also, like, it takes place in, like, a remote town. I'm not sure where exactly, but it's very, like, isolated, like, spatially. And uh, she, like, meets this girl who's um, who's an ice skater at the, like, skating rink where she works. Um, and they become friends. And she, like, is kind of head over heels for this girl who has, like, a boyfriend who kind of sucks. And then they, like eventually have sex but then the girl is kind of like um weird about it and like doesn't call her back so she's kind of heartbroken and then it's like it ends with her like eventually killing the girl's boyfriend and then like running away which I really enjoyed 
because it's like not a happy ending, but it's also not really a sad ending. It's just kind of like you just kind of have to get through it and persevere. Um, and there was some really cool like visual effects at some parts. Like she has a sexy dream about the girl she likes and it's all like red and like weird. So there is some cool stuff in this movie. What did you guys think of it? Liked it. Had some really beautiful, yeah, visual effects. And I would say it's probably the worst transformation scene <laughs> I've ever seen. Or the laziest. No, I'm just joking. It was just like, it was like she was a girl and then she was kind of hairy and then there was a shimmer and then she was a wolf. So, you know, it, it kind of skipped having, doing, getting into all that, which is like, you know, this has been done before. We don't need to have a wild transformation scene. Um, it's and it's like if you don't have the budget to do it, then yeah, just, just chill. It. Like you don't have to. It had a lot yeah. of really, really beautiful, interesting like effects and stuff. Like all of the shimmery like shots that looked like they were being filmed from underwater, yeah. and just like really beautiful transition shots and stuff like that. Um, I don't know, y'all, Monica, Sarah, your filmmakers. What is it called when you like have color tints? Color tents, yeah. <laughs> they call it color tents, yeah. Um, there wasn't it wasn't egregious or anything, but I thought it was done really well. What they did do when they did it, yeah, no, it was. I've definitely felt for this girl. I thought the theme that roped all the movies together was going to be the alcoholic mother because <laughs> um, there was an alcoholic mother in Black Christmas too, but then it kind of that didn't stick. <laughs> I have a lot to say about this movie, but yeah, Sarah, what did you think about this movie? I thought this was a really good movie. I mean, there's a ton of homophobia in it. So it's definitely, you know, I guess trigger warning for people who don't want to see homophobia in movies. But since I live in the world, I don't really mind to see it, I guess, even though it was kind of hard. You know, it's kind of like a flashback. And I got to say, growing up, there was just a lot of rampant homophobia and people just being stunned that like being gay would even be an option, I guess. I think that there's a lot of that style of homophobia. Like her brother is like very pissed at her whenever he realizes that she's gay. There's, you know, lots of slurs all over this one. So to be clear, like she's mostly being judged for being gay. Like that's why people hate her. But there's just like something weird about her basically that like people really hate they're both kind of equated with each other, like the fact of being a werewolf and the fact of being a queer person. There's just a lot, I guess, of that in the story. And, you know, a lot of self-loathing is like all over this story, not even 100% from her, because I think that so much of this story is sympathizing with her. It's from her perspective. And I want to be clear, too, that there's like a moment where she says that she doesn't really identify with being a girl, but there isn't really a lot of follow-up on that. Oh, so just because... That. Everybody in the movie refers. It's a very throwaway line. Like they say, like, oh, like no girls allowed on the ice. And she's like, where's a girl? Like, you know, who are you talking about? I thought it was because she was talking about um, she was a werewolf, not a girl. But I, I could totally see that be about being like trans or something. That's it, though. Like, that's kind of like it, right? Is, is that there's a lot of kind of layover in that metaphor in this film. Yeah. So. And then, like I said, self-loathing, like the woman that she, or the, I guess they're both like teenagers maybe at this time, but they fall in love with each other. But that person is very self-loathing and you get the feeling that perhaps the dad who is played by Scott Thompson and shows up wearing like sequins I and bell bottoms and then is like, I am a straight man. <laughs> I am a straight man. And they're, like she even tries to bring it up and be like, 
yeah, he's like living his life really out and proud or something. And the girl's like, what do you mean? <laughs> and it's like, so that like weird, like internalized, you know, homophobia, I think is just like, it's in the character that she falls in love with most definitely. Mm-hmm. It's in her dad, you know, and it is in this girl too. But I think that like the way that it kind of manifests is, is that she's having, she's like working through it. So it's not necessarily like she hates herself and we linger on that. It's more like, the world is very averse to her being who she is and she kind of has to find herself in a weird way even though it sucks. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's messy and hard and she fucks up all over this movie. And, you know, there's that. But I don't know. I thought it was great. I was like, yeah, being a teenager, like, sucked. (laughs) You know, like, really bad. So I kind of liked it. And it's it's a very, like, hockey. Like, we love hockey. We're Canadians (laughs) kind of movie. So... Was it yeah. filmed in Calgary? Oh. Set in Calgary? I don't, I don't know. know. I like don't know anything about <laughs> this movie or how it was filmed. I just like thought it looked cool, so I watched it with my friend, and we were like, "Yeah, it was cool." <laughs> yeah, Boy Harsher did a lot of the music too, which was cool. Oh, and Novo Testamento mm-hmm. had a song on here. We just played with. I don't know. I was loving the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how it, like Sarah said, how it was kind of like about being and then like being a werewolf I feel like it was really good at like capturing kind of the isolation of like being like a young lesbian in like a very like unsupportive town um there's a part where like the father dies and um he like in death his body is transformed into a wolf and they have to like burn him in secret because like they can't risk their secret getting out I found that like kind of devastating of like how like you have to hide your identity like even in death. I just really mm. like it's kind of a sad movie, right? Because of like all the mm. homophobia and stuff is kind of tough. But then there I felt like there was something kind of victorious in it. Like even though um like the girl gets rejected by the girl she likes, there is something kind of satisfying to see that like she can like move on and be okay like even with that is like she can like find a way to persevere and like be okay even if she's rejected Mm -hmm. oh yeah and it has like the happiest queer ending you know small town queer ending which is like you leave the place that hurts you right so it's like that to me was kind of like yeah that's the ending so it is it ends on a happy note there's a certain point where the girl that she falls for is like crosses so much of a line that even though she still is like trying to talk to her you know that there's no bouncing back from that right like there's there's there are certain ways a person treats you. And if they treat you a certain way, you need to get away from them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's just kind of, you know that, but you don't know that when you're a teenager. Like, I didn't know that when I was a teenager. And you think you're supposed to keep trying to talk to them. Because it's like, you wouldn't do this if you could understand what you're doing. And it's like, no, they understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, you just, there's like this weird time in your life where you're trying to like logic why people are being terrible, right? And, or there was for me, I'll just speak for myself. And so watching this, I was like, right, totally. Like, there's a couple of moments where she so clearly chooses her boyfriend, even knowing how awful he is. Mm -hmm. And obviously, there's a lot of layers to that. Like, they mention that he is cruel to her, but the way that 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 cruelty is deflected in her to this other person is awful. 
And so the fact that, first of all, they don't show, they never show, they don't, for what I remember, they don't show physical violence. He's very demanding Mm -hmm. of her and like gross to her. But it doesn't really come out towards the end whenever the main character is just like, yeah, you hit your girlfriend, Mm -hmm. you know, like when she's trying to egg him on into a fight so that she can bite his fucking head off, which is cool. (laughs) But (laughs) there's this whole scene where like she's saying like you hit your girlfriend, basically. And that's almost a surprise because they don't ever actually show it in the film. But it's like, it's not a surprise because the way that he treats her. But it's like, there's so many movies that would just be like, and now we have to show this horrible domestic violence scene for like five minutes or whatever. And here they just like skipped right over it. And you don't find out until the end. And then you're just kind of like, right, but you could guess because the whole time he's like bossing her around. He's very aggressive and he has like more power in the community. He tells her, I'm the only one who gives a fuck about you. Like all of this kind of stuff that you know from abusers. And so there's like a lot of that. And it's just basically uh, whenever that gives Heather or I think the main character's name is Heather. And it just kind of gives her a greater leg to stand on because there are certain moments where you're like, don't go talk to her anymore. She's like being awful. But then you're like, oh, yeah, but there's also like concern tied into mm-hmm. it because it's like she knows that this guy is like hitting her. True. And uh, that's messed up. It's really hard. So it's like an ugly situation to be in. It is. And I mean, like there's a moment, it's kind of unclear, but you can kind of assume and during the sex scene that like, you know, her teeth kind of come out and like she maybe bites her. She right. seems to be like holding yeah. something. She's like obviously afraid of her after they have sex. And so it's like she doesn't need, mm-hmm. like Johnny doesn't need more violence in her life, I don't think. And because she's like, she already is experiencing right. it. So she's afraid of her. And it's like, yeah, she's shitty to her. But at the same time, it's like you can understand that. And like going with like sure the trans metaphor actually being yourself in public is super dangerous. Like the mom is always like, you can't go out tonight. You can't go out when you're being yourself, mm-hmm. basically, mm-hmm. when you transform uh, because you could either kill somebody else or get killed. Right. If it's also a thing like where she's like, you know, I'm not gay or whatever that she says after the party. It's like, that's not the issue here. <laughs> like, um, What's really yeah. like bothering you, you know, is it that you're not gay or that you just don't want to say it? And like they said that a couple of times in the movie, like, you know, they'll make anything work. And it's like if you're going to be OK with your spouse abusing you or if you're going to be if you're just going to like continue to live like that or if you're going to continue to live in a small town where you can't be yourself and you feel unsafe, like how far does that get you? You know, like. But obviously at the end she's leaving and she's going to make it work somewhere else. So it's still, it still works. You know, you're, you're hoping that like she is moving towards something good. Yeah. Those words mean different things, right? Yeah. Yeah. I really love the ending of this movie. There's like a little monologue she has that's repeating something that her dad told her about kind of like the moon mm-hmm. and how like as like werewolves, they're kind of like at the mercy of the moon. But um is like they also kind of are devoted to it or something. I don't remember exactly what it says, but that's kind of the vibe that I got. And it it just kind of made me think about like how the girl, like like she was treated badly by the girl she liked, but she still like did the thing that she thought was right, which was like killing the boyfriend. And like she kind of just like stuck to her own. Like she did what 
she felt like she had to do. There was all this self-loathing, but then now it's kind of her like taking care of herself. I just really liked it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I liked it too. I think that that was it. Like there's moments where you're like, oh, this might be pretty unhealthy too. Like, you know, it's like not more healthy to like date a woman who keeps showing up even though you like asked her not to than it is, you know, to date this horrible mm-hmm. dude. But then it's like at a certain point, like you kind of see like, oh, well, I have to leave because I killed that guy. So I guess I'm going to go. And then it's just like, even the mom, like the mom is a sympathetic person. I feel like other than the abusive guy, like almost everybody has nuance to them of like good and bad in this movie. So (laughs) everyone has an animal. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I wasn't sure how it was going to turn out because I was like, surely like they're going to be like, because it's like now I'm just, I don't ever expect to watch queer movies like with queer characters and have like a complicated ending, which is like kind of a bad thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is like often now it's just like, okay, everybody's fine and safe. Just so you know, everybody's fine and safe. (laughs) And so like movies, I feel like are like, "Mm, they coddle you a little bit. Don't get me wrong. It's okay to have movies like that, considering the fact that throughout my whole like childhood and growing up, all movies were tragic queers, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, I feel basically that there's been a lot of like backlash to that over the last five to 10 years. And it's good, sometimes bad, other times indifferent other times who knows but in this I was like actually not expecting it to go as badly as it did between them and I was like oh like this is actually pretty ugly stuff (laughs) like this is actually pretty messed up because it's like yeah it is a little ambiguous as to like uh just kind of the they start just being really mean to each other Mm -hmm. and it's kind of it's hard to watch I guess but it's also something where it's like That's what I really um, liked about this movie is I also, I feel like I'm used to, like, if I'm watching a queer movie made, like, recently, I'm used to, like, it kind of everything being happily ever after. And it's, like, like my life, like, growing up is, like, I, like, I never, like, um, is, like, I was just always, like, very alone. Like, I never, like, got the girl. And so I really, like, I'm liking how in this movie, it's like she doesn't get the girl, but like she still is like, okay. And that is, mm-hmm. I just really like mm-hmm. seeing that because that like matters too, I guess. Yeah. Like she, there's something after that. And sometimes you're like, oh, that's who I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I don't want to be this person. It's like, because she really does start to, like, flirt with being a pretty bad person for a hot second. And then it's just like, well, maybe, like, maybe there's still time to choose something else. And I think that that's important, too. Because if I had bad behavior in my life, I got to say, late teens and early 20s were a rough time because you're going through all of this bad relationship stuff, of course. Um, Especially if you live in a small town and there's, like, two other gay people, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, and so you can get into these like very toxic relationships very young and, you know, having problems at home, you know, all of these kind of things. And I think it can all feed into each other until you yourself become a pretty toxic person. And I just kind of liked that there was no, uh, romanticism, I guess, about like the toxicity. Mm -hmm. Like they were just Mm -hmm. like, no, it's bad if you do it too. Like you, you can't, even if you're reacting 
to the way that other people treat you. You can't treat people like this. Like that's the bottom line, right? So, you know, and and sadly, I do think it is a learning curve sometimes. Like you have to get a little bit older and then be like, oh yeah, I guess I do kind of treat people like shit. Like not to say like I'm out here doing any of the stuff that they're doing, but you know, you get to a place where you start to grow (laughs) or you're like screwed. Yeah. Yeah. I felt um, like kind of realistic to see that like with young people, like, um, I don't know if the characters were older, I think I might not have been so forgiving, but like, that is just kind of how it is when you're like a teenager or like a young person. Mm -hmm. It's messy. Yeah. I was definitely a mess. (laughs) There's, um, I think there's a lot of things about just like not talking about stuff you know obviously not talking about the fact that you're a werewolf they kept saying that i don't want to talk about it that came up every time yeah every time and like johnny doesn't talk to heather and they don't talk about the fact that johnny's getting beaten by her boyfriend and they don't talk about uh her mom being a, an alcoholic and stuff but it's funny because her mom is the only one that does talk about stuff mm-hmm. and it's like wildly in public drunk talking about all of their family you know taking out their dirty laundry but and it's like that's the other extreme but that's the thing in small towns or you know when you don't feel safe you don't talk about stuff and it's like you can't live like that mm-hmm. and it's like you can see the repression is really hurting the mom and I wanted yeah. to say that too because it's like even though we have this mom who is an addict and who is hard to like and is dealing with a lot of like the worst parts of addiction in this time, you still really see it as being its own disease or its Mm -hmm. own affliction because you don't really hate her. Like she has these extreme moments where she screams at her daughter, but then it's like she takes care of her daughter too, no matter what. And so there is kind of, there is love there. And so it's complicated. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's kind of Like, yeah, maybe you shouldn't live with your mom who does this stuff, but like also maybe understanding it is part of being able to love yourself, I guess. Like that's kind of how it is. I think if you have, you know, problematic parents is you have this uh, journey you have to go on that's like, maybe it's not okay for you to be this way, but maybe like I get why you are this way or something. Yeah, because it's like, like when you're a teenager, like you don't, like, you don't want to see the nuance in your parents, maybe. Like, it's easier to be like, oh, you're just the worst. Right. <laughs> um, but I really liked how this movie um, did show that nuance. Mm-hmm. But the dad was the MVP. I love <laughs> yeah. that guy. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. He was one of the only adults in the movie that wasn't, you know, super fucked up. Except for, like, you know, the, mm-hmm. I guess her boss at the at the hockey rink was <laughs> cool. Like, gave her extra money. Yeah. She was a good kid. It was cool. Um. I like this movie a lot. I think this is the only other movie that I've seen, like, a gross and erotic, like, egg yolk being exchanged between mouths. Other than this movie, there's that part in Tampopo. I was like, as a vegan, I don't like this. Yeah, I was sure that was grossing some people out. so gnarly. What? (laughs) Have you ever seen Tampopo? Monica comes back just for this. In this one, it's like, I don't remember if there's like a, I think a sexy dream or if it like actually happens, but it's like the one girl like cracks an egg in the other girl's mouth and then they like kiss. It's very mm-hmm. odd, She's but like, it's like shot. Yeah. It was very like red lighting and stuff. Yeah. So it looks kind of like blood is like weird mm-hmm. and cool. Yeah, it does look like blood. Right. It's kind of like, I don't know, you can kind of assume that that's Heather's like first sexual experience. So it's like, oh, it's the uncooked egg. You have a lot of growth to do. <laughs> yes. And 
<laughs> she has this like really f- yeah the the masturbation to extremely weird things mm-hmm. i think is something that like i'm the bodybuilding and the <laughs> I like women's that wrestling they did in this movie the bodybuilding and women's wrestling and you're just like totally like this is the weird time of where you don't totally know that you're gay and you're just like finding weird things hot she's like <laughs> masturbating like, on all fours <laughs> in the middle of the living room to women's wrestling yeah. on the shag carpet yep. yeah yeah. I'm not going to say I ever did that, but I'm not going to say I'm better than that either. So. <laughs> Are you That's a werewolf, werewolf too? Um, <laughs> uh, Maybe. <laughs> oh, okay. One of the, a couple uh, of the I would be the last to know, frankly. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, oh, yeah. Don't trust a guy with a truck like that. Um, that's what I wrote about the boyfriend guy. <laughs> Definitely a red flag. Um, Have even seen the movie, but I agree. Yes. You will know. <laughs> <laughs> this truck you've seen this truck i actually kind of liked the drug scene sometimes those are a little they do a little too much like ooh, you're fucked up mm-hmm. but you know i think I, I felt like it was just enough and it was pretty and i thought the lights in the forest when she's changing and running through the woods were super fucking cool yeah. like there was like this really bright like spotlight basically following her through the woods and it just looked awesome she was like being followed by darkness it was really cool the moment where I'm gonna I have to give a Scott Thompson shout out real quick because I love that guy but and we're talking old school gays like good old Scott Thompson from Kids in the Hall but him showing up as her dad who wears the sequins and is clearly gay but not right like no this is a very heterosexual Liberace (laughs) Um, but yeah we have like whenever he's got his Pomeranian (laughs) and he's just like what a bitch not you Maurice you're perfect (laughs) Just Farmerini. <laughs> that was my favorite scene because I was just like, right. <laughs> Not you, Maurice. Yeah. You're perfect. You're an angel. And then slams the door on this girl. <laughs> You're not welcome here. And from what I understand, you never were. I'm just like, wow, this is great. Great dialogue scene. <laughs> I mean, shoot, though. I mean, drives a Zamboni, wears flannel, drinks beer, can play hockey. <laughs> Was there to not like like bodybuilding? <laughs> yeah, I know. A better boyfriend than your boyfriend, I think, is the vibe of this Absolutely. character overall. But I'm glad you guys family. liked this movie. I thought it would be a good one to talk about. It was a hit. It was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so Monica, what's your favorite werewolf movie? Because even though you didn't see this one, this might be your new favorite company of wolves probably will be your new favorite, but what's, what's your already favorite werewolf movie? Ginger snaps. Yeah. Fair enough. It's a good one. Yeah. (laughs) I like that one too. It's classic. It's true. And we talked about it last time we did one of these. Um, I don't remember what episode that was. I don't even remember what year that was. But mm-hmm. we did do an episode where we talked about Ginger Snaps. Yes. It's just Look to the archive. Compiling a list of like movies that are about being a gay werewolf that I need to make Wolf Spain from New Mutants watch so then she will realize that she <laughs> is too. Like, hey, X-Men character, I need you to sit down and get serious with yourself for a second. Just show show Wolfsbane of the New Mutants, Wolfsbane of the New Mutants in the New Mutants movie, and be like, hey, look at this. She's gay. Why aren't you? I watched The Bone Woman. That was freaking good. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. I loved that. Has anybody else seen that? What is it? The Bone Woman. No. 
it's on it's on uh, <laughs> Shutter right now. You guys should also watch the horror movie. It lives inside. Um, it came out this year. And oh yeah, it's good. There's like a cool monster in it. Cool. No, no, that's not the one that's on Shutter. There's like uh, another one that was really good on Shutter. But sorry, but, yeah, <laughs> that one I do want to see. It's fun, and the main actress is really good, and I liked it. Cool. Anybody else have new horror movie regs? I watched When Evil Lurks, and then I watched the other movie that person made, Terrified. Mm-hmm. So I thought they were both really good. I tried to watch the movie The Nun, but it was bad, so I didn't watch any more of it. <laughs> <laughs> the main actress was really good, but the movie wasn't good. And I also don't like know a ton about Christianity, so I just like wasn't getting anything out of it. I was like, why are these like religious ladies scary? I didn't get it. <laughs> <laughs> like, why is this? Scary? Oh, but I, there's I this understand. movie coming out soon called Eileen, which is. Not really horror. It's more of like a psychological Oh, my God. No, I'm dying. I'm dying. Oh, my God. Anne Hathaway in this movie ruined my fucking life. I saw that, (laughs) like, preview, and I was like, goodbye. I'm like, never. It's uh, too much. She's so hot. I can't handle it. I was like. The way that I've been thinking of it is like, it's like Carol meets Stoker. Um, It's like evil Carol. (laughs) Yeah. A.K.A. Carol meets Stoker. Um, I saw it at the, like, um. There was like a film festival for like queer films. So I saw it recently and it's really good. You've seen this with your eyes? Yes, it was <laughs> so good. And you survived? <laughs> How? Um, so I I think everyone should see it too. I fully intend to die during watching <laughs> this film. <laughs> I'm just like, I don't want to be alive after seeing Anne Hathaway in this like red suit for like a 90 minute period. Like I just, I'm done. <laughs> there will never be anything else. Life over. <laughs> life def- life after end. Anne. <laughs> <laughs> do you believe? No. No, don't. don't do it. <laughs> I just don't. <laughs> Okay, um, I want to say that uh, Jennifer Reeder has a new horror film called uh, Perpetrator, and then Stuart Thorndike has a new film called Bad Things. They're just both really great women directors who do tons and tons of great stuff. So both of them are on Shutter. I haven't seen either of them, but I'm going to watch them later today. So Perpetrator and Bad Things, you know, uh, I'm going to just take a leap and give it a good review <laughs> right now and say everybody should watch it just because if you saw the movie Lyle which was kind of like lesbian Rosemary's Baby that's by Stuart Thorndike mm. and then if you saw uh, Knives and Skin which was like this just gorgeous movie just absolutely gorgeous that's a Jennifer Reader film so those two are great uh, constantly putting out amazing things oh. uh, Criterion Collection actually has a whole like a whole Jennifer Reader uh, short film retrospective on right now I remember watching Nice so, and Spring. Oh, yeah I was just gonna say the only horror thing that I've been able to watch because I was working and school and stuff like that like I haven't really had time to watch anything um, but I did watch uh, Follow the House of Usher mm. Um, just mm-hmm. because I need to. We're going to do a Patreon of... episode about it. Ooh. Yes. Because um, one, I'm an Edgar Allan Poe stand, but also I wanted to watch it all in like one sitting because I'm canceling Netflix as soon as possible. So mm, good for you. Mm-hmm. I paid $22 to have yeah. 4K. 
Oh, shit. Can you believe that shit? And no ads. Because <laughs> I hate ads. Like, I do not do advertisements. Like, yeah. when yeah. there's, like, dramatic tension in something, the worst thing that you could possibly fucking happen is for a car commercial. Chris Lightning Strips. <laughs> right. Like, I just get violent. I'm just like, this is absolutely trash. Like, I can't do it. So I just paid the money. But, like, I'm really upset that I had to pay $22. For what? For fucking what? Yeah. They have billions and of dollars. It was, it's, why am that's I paying a great $23? Point. For what? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I can't even share it with anybody. Yeah. Why are you paying that money? Like, why? Why? Yeah. But anyway. And they're evil. It's not like they're paying their talents. Like, mm-hmm. they're not paying anybody. Evil. Netflix, we hate you. I got to say, touring in October was kind of awesome because every time we stayed in a hotel, they had horror movies on. Yeah. And there's this channel, mm. TCM, I think. I can't mm-hmm. remember. Yes. But they had horror movies with zero ads. So we watched, watched a lot of Chucky. That is beautiful. Watched Sense of the Lambs 2, which was terrible, but I'd never seen it. Watched Poltergeist. <laughs> Chucky is my favorite show. Watched Carrie 2. There's a second Carrie? Mm-hmm. There's a few. Carrie 2, The Rage, yep. 1999. The Rage. Oh, that's a good one, though. People like, call it. It's very, it's very yeah. 90s. Like, yes. It definitely reminds me of being in high school and like, it's it's wild. I love I that movie. I remember Carrie. I snuck mm-hmm. in to go see that. It was rated R. And mm. this was back in the day when they used to card you for R-rated movies, LOL. <laughs> I don't even think they do that anymore, but they definitely did it when I was growing up. Um, I haven't seen Carrie, but doesn't she die at the end? So how is there a Carrie too? Yep. Oh, it's a whole thing. <laughs> or something. Oh, it's passed through the male line or something. So it's like, which is weird. Carrie's dad. Yeah. Who had another yeah. family. Yeah. Or something. And then, yeah, it's a whole thing. Just just watch it. Just, just watch it. Everybody calls it emo Carrie because it's very, like, goth. Yes. <laughs> but still great. And also, that's they're just mad because it's a movie about, like, a teen girl who gets pissed off and kills people, so. And has trauma. She, uh, yeah, she, her friend commits suicide at the beginning of the movie. Trigger warning, sorry. Trigger um, warning yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. And then um, imagine this this person could basically be uh, Frieza Balk in the craft, that kind of person. You know, very 90s. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that character in the craft. She's so fun. I like, I don't think I would watch, <laughs> I would rewatch the craft because overall there's not that much, but I just really enjoy her. Oh, she's great. And also I had a friend who for like years, every time he would call me would be like, Sarah, you scared? (laughs) And peruse a Bach voice. (laughs) Because it was very clear who the Robin Tooney was and who the peruse a Bach in our friendship was. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, the craft. Wow. Featuring the other love of my life, Nev Campbell. Yes. Oh, and Rachel True is so good in that movie. God, mm-hmm. love Rachel True. Anyway, oh my God, yeah, I ah, lived for so that. Good. I like when I I rented that movie from Blockbuster R.I.P. because um, I wasn't able to go see it in the theaters. <laughs> but I remember I was so stoked to have like this witchy like black girl in the movie who wasn't just like a mm-hmm. side piece. Like she actually had like a storyline. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. But when she made and that she's racist pretty sympathetic, bitch, like, I gotta how, say. Like hair fallout. Oh my God. Perfect. Amazing. Uh, I yep. just hate it. Like the whole, like, you know, she got cursed or whatever because she did that. Like, fuck that. That bitch had to come in. <laughs> yeah. 
She was so racist <laughs> for no reason. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. No, she was. She was awful. Marsha uh, Brady. <laughs> she goes on to play oh, Marsha Brady. Yes, that is Marsha Brady. Um, I totally forgot about that. that is- she's great. She's really good in that movie. She's so good as Marsha Brady. The you know what? Those are great movies. But um, you know, so is the craft. There was like a time as like a teen where like Scream came out. I know what you did last summer came out. You know, there was like the craft, and it was like all of a sudden, all of my friends who were teen girls like loved horror. And I was like, what? <laughs> yes. Cool. <laughs> like, Finally, this is You're great. Like, like, because it, before that, I was like, yeah, I was like watching like Texas Chainsaw Massacre VHS or whatever and being like, oh, nobody wants to hang out. <laughs> and then every, everything after that was like, cool. And after we watched Clarissa Explains It All, maybe we could watch this like slasher from the 80s. And everybody was like, yeah, that sounds fun. And it's like, okay. This is all I ever wanted to do. Cool. Man, horror of the 80s and 90s was just like perfect, in yes. my opinion. That was like the last golden era. I know what, Got I some good know. stuff I in there. I watched Beetlejuice recently. Um, yeah. And that was fun, except for Beetlejuice. I didn't like him, but I liked uh, Gina Davis and I liked Winona Ryder. Gina Davis is probably my fucking Anne Hathaway, like, step on my goddamn neck, <laughs> as he would say. Yeah. <laughs> Essie, we miss you. Essie, we miss you. Yeah, Essie. yeah. Um, join us next time, Essie, on your podcast, and we'll <laughs> have you on to talk about things that we talk about. Um, cool. So this has been really fun. Thanks a lot for everybody being here, Monica. Thanks for staying to the end, even though there was a whole movies that you didn't watch. But also, thanks for being here to answer random questions and you know joining in at the very end for us to talk about all of this horror. So I'm gonna say everybody has to tell the people where they can be found. I personally cannot be found on social media, although I am on some social media sometimes. But the best place to find me is sarahcentury.com. You can sign up to my newsletter. I talk about my rabbits a lot in my newsletter. So if you want more rabbit news, that's the place to go, folks. So for you, Monica, um, where can people find you? And do you have anything to plug? You can't find me. I'm nowhere. I don't even exist, man. Okay. Yep. I'm a figment of your imagination. (laughs) Hmm. That would not actually surprise me that much. Um, I'm not really working on anything right now because I'm in school, but I can plug that um, my short story, Maya Michelle, is now published in um, Black Punk Now, which is an uh, anthology by James Spooner, who is the director and creator of Afropunk, and Chris Terry, who is also a great novelist. Um, it is composed of fiction, nonfiction, and comics, and also there is a really interesting uh, roundtable discussion that I participated in with other uh, queer, non-binary and women, uh, Black women, um, who have organized in punk um, for ages. Um, And it's just about our experiences being punk. Um, My short story is called Maya Michelle, which is also just an excerpt of my upcoming novel that I'll finish one of these fucking days. Um, But it is a horror short I like it. It's somewhat semi-autobiographical, but biographical. Sorry, I can't talk. Um, but that is available for purchase at Soft Skull, Soft Skull Publishing on their website. But you can also get this at libraries across the nation. So support your local library or support your local black bookstore, actually. That's cool. Soft Skull always has cool stuff. Cool. Yep. 
the iconic soft skull. And um, yeah, I'm not really on social media these days. I'm mostly on TikTok, uh, bothering Sarah at 3 a.m., sending her video after video after video. <laughs> um, TikTok was made and I'm for just people like, with ADHD, LOL. I'm convinced. Um, but kids these days will never know the power that was Vine. I just want to say that. Mm. Vine is timeless and it was perfect. And they took it away from us because we were too powerful. But anyway, uh, free Palestine. Mm-hmm. That's pretty much what mm-hmm. I got to say. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there's two other people on this call. Yeah. So, Kate, uh, what's going on with you these oh, days? Yeah. Uh, I am in a band that plays all the time. Shout out to Sarah Century for coming out to see us in fucking Chicago. That was random. Like, the day I got off the plane, I just kind of, like, went, drank a bunch of wine at my friend Emily's house. And then we, it was, like, nine, and we were, like, I was just, like, do you want to go to this show? And Emily's, like, I would either go or not go. <laughs> and I was, like, cool. Let's actually go then. That was awesome. Everybody should check out Church Fire because they tour a lot. So chances are you'll be able to just randomly pop into a city and they'll be <laughs> in it. So well, we you toured this just year. go see it. We went to the Midwest. We went all over the Midwest. This tour was actually scheduled for March 19th, 2020. So um, we had to <laughs> postpone that for obvious reasons. Um, and then it turned into something else because a lot of those places shut down and um, some bands right. don't exist anymore. And, you know, there's some devastation. Uh, but yeah, we... Hopefully we'll do another tour in 2024. That's the idea. But we play all the time in Denver. Churchfire666 on Instagram. We're a joke band. I've been toying <laughs> with the genre of um, post-goth, post-industrial, post-punk, uh, pre-poop music. <laughs> <laughs> it's a joke band. We make yeah. something. Uh, but yeah, so that's where you can check me out. And then um, our music is on Bandcamp and stuff. And I think we're going to put out a remix of another band through Emergency Hearts in a couple weeks. Mm. Um, Emergency Hearts also has a really extensive band camp. They're kind of like a electronic music love letter sort of situation where they connect artists with each other. And then like you remix each other's stuff. Curse Mackey did a remix of one of our songs, which was really nice. Yeah, it's cool. You should check them out. They're like an anarchist uh, DIY uh, label. Neat. I love Church Fryer. Or Flyer. I like Church Flyer. I'm done. I've t- I've been talking for like 17 hours, it feels like. But actually, it's only been five or six. 17 hours. That's when you wow. talked for 17 hours. Yes. But right before this, I did a Doctor Who podcast. So this is, I, I talk day after day. That's just all I do. Priya, where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on um, Twitter at Letters of Priya and also Blue Sky at the same name and also on the Bitches on Comics uh, Patreon. Um, That's right. Because we talk about X-Men there and it's lots of fun. Yes. yes. Most recently, we did a Vampire Storm episode that you can actually listen to on the main feed. Shocking if you haven't already. It was released on Halloween. We talk about all the times that Storm of the X-Men became a vampire, which isn't that many times, but we sure wish it was more times. <laughs> that one was so funny because I asked Sarah what her favorite lesbian vampire movie was, and she got so <laughs> excited. <laughs> it's like the thing that I every day I'm just like, I hope somebody brings up Xena to me, and it's like totally 
totally the same with like lesbian vampires. I hope somebody asks me what lesbian vampire movie I love the most. <laughs> somebody does, and I'm just like, wait, whoa, whoa. Sorry, I've been preparing for this for a really long time. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun one. But, you know, bitches on comics, we're finally wrapping up the Dark Phoenix saga. So <laughs> we've been doing it for over a year, and uh, it was, it needed it. It needed that time, it needed that space. Yes, it's important. I think to so us. too. To us, <laughs> explicitly, <laughs> yelling Jean, Jean, Scott, Jean. <laughs> yep, love it. So, all right, cool. Well, I love every single person on this call and some people who aren't on this call. <laughs> love you, Essie. Yeah. Ooh, love you all. Yeah, cool. Love you all. It was good, good movies, good choices. Thank you for yeah. um, opening my eyeballs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> I was going to take like um, my friend Hub does like a whenever he ends a podcast, he goes and that's what happens when you make a podcast. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> so I went to do that. And then I was like, don't steal Hub's line. <laughs> hmm. But uh, I did. We can so. steal Essie's line. Oh, what's Essie's line? You do it. Uh, thanks for being here, listeners. Uh, how we could do it's it like, without you, but it'd be awkward. You, but it'd be real weird. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Watch Black Christmas. Watch Black Christmas. And yeah, overturn the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Merry Christmas. All right, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs>
the Cheyenne Nation, and others who have been erased from our history and collective memories through colonization. Have you ever been stuck on a call you really wish you could get off of? I guess it's official. Oh, I guess we're partners. Thank you. I Here we go. I feel like after that incredible dinner that we had with you the other night, and I'm, I'm not going to tell you how much it was. But you try to put two dozen oysters in a spreadsheet, you know, your accountant's not so happy. So. Can't even write those off when, yeah, they, when they come from... Seafood gets tricky, so... Right. Conference call follows a down-on-her-luck tech industry wonderkin by the name of Julie Burke, who has no other choice but to partner with two brothers from the reject piles of Shark Tank as they desperately try to develop their next invention. When recordings of Julie's calls with the Toad Bros end up in the hands of an investigative journalist, she presents her audience with the wild twists of Julie's story, showcasing the best of their worst, most cringeworthy phone calls. Conference Call, a Paradiso Media production presented by Realm, stars Elizabeth Henstridge, Jeff Ward, Gregory Stees, and Emma Roberts, and featuring Karen Gillan, Beck Bennett, Dimi Dijuibe, Clark Gregg, and many more. Be sure to listen and subscribe to Conference Call wherever you get your podcasts or learn more at realm.fm.